What a special day. I know that uh, I feel like we could have just kept singing that song, but I had to show you my new jacket. So pretty excited about it. I got an odd, odd amount of compliments on it. I don't know if it's because you like the jacket or it's just I'm not dressed like a 13-year-old. So either way, welcome to church this morning. We have the distinct privilege and opportunity to to, to celebrate, to look into God's word and to explore what does it mean that he's the resurrected king? And, and what does it mean to our life here today as we've been, and, and as a church looking through the book of Romans, we've been talking about this theme, this, I, this, this goal, this aim that Paul has been pointing the church to, which is the gospel. And, and we get to Sometimes we, we say it so often, we, you know, it's like having a pair of socks that we love. We go, man, these socks are awesome, but we don't actually mean they're awesome like God is awesome. They're just socks. But, but the truth of the matter is, is, is we say the gospel so much, we say the word gospel so much, it can tend to lose meaning to us. And so, so I want to remind us this morning that the gospel means the good news of victory in a battle that has been won. And so when a king in a foreign land would, 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 would have, a, have his armies out at battle, they would come back to the king if it was good news, and they would, say, you know, it would, be, they would present the gospel to him. And likewise, we have good news of a victory of a battle that has been won in a distant land on our behalf today. And, and the gospel is the opportunity is, is, is a picture that Paul spent all the book of Romans focusing on and looking at and saying, hey, don't be, don't be caught up in these kind of mindless squabbles of, of tradition and, and, and how to do this and where to put that, but look at this gospel that we have. He goes on to say, don't be ashamed of it. He, said, you know, he teaches us all these different pieces about it, and this morning I want to remind us that the gospel is yes, the resurrection, but it started way back in a garden. You see, when people broke and separated, when Adam and Eve, and don't, don't you know, get onto them too bad, I think we all would have messed up, but, but when Adam and Eve separated in relationship, when they, when they pursued, when they sinned, when they ate of the, of the apple, when they ate of the fruit, they, they separated themselves from, from being connected to God, and right then, the good news begins. You see, God separated them out of the garden and then began a process through the Old Testament where he wrote in the prophets and he, and he spoke through the people and promised a Messiah, a worthy Savior. And, and, and through the prophets, they proclaimed him, they promised him. And then into the New Testament, we see this Savior is born and he lived a life showing us how to live our life. And then at the age of 33, we see him enter into Jerusalem. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday, and we see him ride into Jerusalem to a bit of a fractured crowd, part of the group wanting to kill him, the other part of the group wanting him to overthrow the Roman Empire, all of everybody being confused and, 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 and not knowing and, and in the process of him riding in. He sets off a series of events where, where Judas ends up betraying him, where he dines 
with his men when he, he spends time together. He goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he, he prays and he weeps blood because what he is about to endure is unbearable and yet in his humanity he can't take it and in his divinity he is willing because this God, man, this worthy sacrifice was both fully human and fully God. And he's tortured, delivered over in a, in a clown court where there was no possible way anyone was going anywhere. And Jesus endured. And then he gets tortured, beaten, and, and barely alive is told to carry a cross. And carries a cross through the Via de la Rosa and, 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 and is in the middle of uh, of this embarrassment and this shame and all of it is a, a part of the process that he's coming to set us free. And as he carries the cross through the marketplace and up onto the hill, he gets crucified on our behalf. And in the process of being crucified, he offers forgiveness of sin to the, to the robber on the cross next to him. And he says, you, because you believe in who I am, you will dine with me in paradise, shattering any paradigm where we think we can earn his love. You see, he teaches us constantly, even in his suffering, and then he dies. And in the moment of his death, a veil that once separated humanity from the presence of God was torn in two, top to bottom, leaving no doubt that now we have access to God and his presence through Christ and him alone. Then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. So you don't have to buy a tomb if you're not gonna keep it. And he gets buried in a tomb. And a Saturday comes. And everything goes silent. And surely those who have been following him and believing him and trusting him and obeying him and, 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 and listening to him, they, they, they have to start doubting and wondering, oh my gosh, did I miss it? This Jesus, this, this Savior, this King lays in a tomb he couldn't even buy. You see, we know the whole story, but they didn't. And so all of a sudden, we see this moment where, where in desperation, in a, in, a, in, a, in a desire to just go, oh God, I gotta, I gotta figure out what's coming, that we see the men are all kind of bunked up, but the women on the first day of the week in Luke 24, it says they did this. Now on the first day, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus and it happened. As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, probably like a twill blazer, And they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. And they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. You see, beloved, it is a, a moment of everything changes. 
It's a moment where everyone is, is thinking something. Nobody's, nobody's willing to say it out loud. Everybody's concerned. But, 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 but through the weekend, this, 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 this fear, this, this confusion, this, I don't know right now. I'm, I, I thought I understood it. I don't understand it anymore. Everything changes. The gospel fulfills because he didn't stay in the grave. What makes the good news the good news, the greatest news, the best news ever is that the stone was rolled away and the living no longer laid among the dead. Because now we have the opportunity to look at at the Old Testament and the promise and the fulfillment and the life to the fullest that Jesus came to give. And we see him fulfilling everything he needed to fulfill to become a a God, to be God, to, to, to show us how he is God. And all of a sudden, Jesus now is not just some trinket on a shelf, but he's a living, breathing God. And so we look upon him and worship him. And out of this, Because of this, because of the way he fulfills this good news, we then get to have life ourselves. Beloved, I don't want to be coy with you. On Easter Sunday, when we're talking about this good news, I just want you to know ahead of time, today you're going to have an opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, everything changes. And so I want to I think about today, of course, how beautiful the gospel is, but let's talk for a moment about what the gospel produces in our life. Because, beloved, it was, it was this day in 2008 where Pastor Steve preached a message And invited me to meet this Jesus. Beloved, my life has never been the same. You see, we get the opportunity to look upon him and behold him and respond to him. And watch him not only fulfill everything that was promised, but to transform us into something brand new. And if you want to talk about brand new, come up and have a meeting with my parents after church today and ask them, has Ian changed? Is he different? They'd say, yeah, he never wore jackets like that (laughs) back in the day. But beloved, today is a day and it's going to take courage. It's going to take strength. It's going to take, hey, humility. And yet, all of that was on display through what Jesus has done. So, in God's sovereignty and in the way just the word of God is so powerful, it's no surprise to me that we arrive at Romans chapter eight in a series that we've been talking about. And Romans chapter eight might be the best articulation of the results of this gospel anywhere in the scriptures. We're gonna look today at four byproducts, four results of the gospel, what does it mean for the, for the believer to, to, to say yes to Jesus, to, to, to follow in his ways, to, 
trust in him as the resurrected king? What are the byproducts? And Romans chapter eight is just like a laundry list of them. But the first one is this, for those who accept the Lord Jesus and, 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 and accept the gospel, there is no condemnation. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And I want to pause for a second and say, I think sometimes in, in Christian life, maybe in American Christian life, we confuse the word condemnation and tribulation. You see, there is tribulation, troubles, uh, difficulties, issues. Like, I don't want to paint a picture. And today, if you're thinking about following Jesus, I want to be clear. It's not for sissies. It's hard, especially in a world that is opposed to it. There will be criticism. There will be tribulation. It's not always going to be easy. Following Jesus does not mean on this side of the veil, it's going to be easy street forevermore. I promise. I know that because Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so, beloved, we need to understand something. Freedom from condemnation doesn't mean freedom from tribulation. But too many of us forget because it's just not fun to talk about. I mean, watch, I'll, I'll show you. We're about to talk about it and the room will go silent. What is condemnation? Well, condemnation is described in the scriptures as a lake of fire, Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and everybody who thought you were not on the list, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, beloved. A lake of eternal burning fire. I was talking to somebody about this service this week, and I said, yeah, it's going to feel a little fire and brimstone because it's like in the book. The phrase wasn't made up by some 17th century preacher. The reality is, is condemnation is not a, a, a difficult line at, at Publix. It's not a, a frustration at your workplace. Condemnation is eternal fire and hell. I told you we'd all. It's also considered as eternal punishment. Matthew 25, 46 says, and, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I could have my sons come up here and talk about what punishment is it an enjoyable thing? Don't say anything. But the truth of the matter is we all know that, that we don't enjoy. Nobody, you know, I like good feedback in my life. I try to be somebody who's very open and receptive to feedback, but I don't like to be punished. If you do, you have another problem. You need to go talk to Jeff in a counseling session. Like, punishment is not something we enjoy. It's not something that's, that's good. It's not something that's, that's, that's oh, man, I want to just do that all through eternity. It's also described in 2 Thessalonians 1.9 as everlasting destruction and separation from God. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Matthew 13.50 says it's a fiery furnace where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
It is a, it is a place where, where people finally get what they've always wanted. You see, God isn't up in heaven going, I want to send some here and some there. I'd, I'd like to invite some over to my house and I'd like to send others to the lake of fire. You know, it's like, that's not God. He's willing, what? That none should perish, that all should have everlasting life. But he will not force himself upon you. And so he will, he, he, he creates an environment where he goes, hey, I want to show you who I am. I want to I reveal myself to you, but I'm letting you choose. And so hell isn't some, some creative place that's just where people go that God's angry at. Hell is the absence of all things holy, good, beautiful, righteous, and lovely. It is the, it is the giving over to, to everything you've wanted, which is to be separated from God. You see, condemnation is really, really bad. And when you're in Christ, when you believe in the gospel of Jesus, when you accept his worthy sacrifice, you are now free from condemnation. You see, you can't paint a picture of how beautiful this, this is. You can't understand. We can't grapple with how, how amazing his grace really is until we look directly at the truth that hell is actually real and really bad. The more we understand that, 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 that how great this gift is, the, the more it transforms us. And the other thing I want to say is this, beloved. We are all accountable. In Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31, there's this parable, this story that's told where, where a certain rich man, he was clothed in purple and fine linen and fare, uh, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried and being in torment in Hades, heaven, hell. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and sent Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, like, unlike Lazarus, his evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us, there is this great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those who pass to us. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to them, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. But he said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rises from the dead. Beloved, I want to say this. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But those that aren't, there are. Hell is very real. 
And we are accountable to make a decision in this life. We have, you know, there's grace and grace and grace. And I love grace. And I, I'm grateful for grace. And I, I sing about grace. And I, I mean, there's just, it's, it's incredible. But yet you have to make a decision. You have, to, you have to be accountable for what you hear and what you do with this truth. And if we want to have that promise of Romans 8, chapter 1, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, if we want to inherit that promise, if we want to receive that promise, if we want to stand in that promise, it comes with a decision to believe Jesus is really the resurrected king. The second thing we have is this. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 17, we have an invitation to be called the children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You see, beloved, as a, as a kid, my parents split up. And I got introduced to this man named Glenn. <clears throat> and Glenn was just a cool guy that worked on pool tables. And he and my mom started dating and and I know he was nice to me. He would, he'd let me show him as my, uh, I had this, you know, this guy like owned a pool table store in downtown Nashville. And I really wanted to show him my little tykes pool table. So he came upstairs and played. I'm sure he really wanted to play pool at the end of a work week, but he played pool with me. And then he was around more and more. And then he married my mom and he became my stepdad. And he kept being there and consistent and faithful. And he showed me how to work hard, how to mow two and a half acres for $5. It was a bit unreasonable. That's not part of the sermon. but He showed me how to love big, how to take care of people, how to, how to be there for people. And then when I was about 13 years old, my mom and biological dad were at court, my mom trying to just get, get something that he owed, and, and on that day, he, my biological dad, decided to say, hey, I, I don't need to be your dad anymore. And so my birthright was given away. And I had no idea that I was about to see the gospel on display because another man stood up and said, I'll take him. And I went from being a Benefield to a Gilchrist. While one father agreed to give up his birthright, another stood and said, I'll have him. Adoption isn't less. 
right, secondary. I didn't become a partial Gilchrist that day. Because my identity wasn't rooted in the blood in my veins. The blood in his. And I don't tell you this for any other reason but to say if you experience and fall in love with the Lord Jesus. You haven't been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption. And that makes you 100% His. That you can never be taken away. You can never be moved off. It's not by my will that I was adopted by Glenn. It was His choice. And it changed my destiny. And it made me who I am. And because of it, because of him covering me, I'll carry on that name and that legacy forever. Why? Because that's my dad. And beloved, as we get to experience this incredible gift of life, as we celebrate this resurrection power it is a it is a miraculous moment where it's not like the blood inside of you is changing but the blood of him who has bought you and sacrificed for you changes everything that you now have the right to be called a child of God and that you have all the rights reserved you're not a, a partial, almost there, couldn't quite, couldn't, couldn't quite cut it. Words are hard. But you're fully and completely his son. And if a son, then an heir also. Beloved, I, I, we can't walk out of here today without recognizing how incredible this is. And, and if you've been saved for a long time or, or, or not at all, this has got to get on the forefront of our minds. It's why Paul was putting it right back into the face of the Roman church to say, remember these things. Because when this is on the forefront of our mind, anything can happen. We can become something we've never imagined because we are something new. And that proceeds to the third point that, that if we experience this gospel, we not only are now, now saved and freed from condemnation, invited into sonship, but we are also given guidance for life itself. Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Can anybody say amen? amen. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. See, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big deal. I'm not a guy who likes to admit that I need help. I'm not, I'm not somebody who likes to, you know, I'm probably the only guy in the room who's never asked for directions from anybody, but... I'll tell you a story. This is pre-Jesus. Of course, everything's different now. But in college, I was 
some one night, we were in Atlanta. I don't know why we were there, but me and a buddy got a wild hair and said, we need to see the ocean. We were in Atlanta. We got to see the ocean. Yeah. I think it's that way. You say, I've been to Destin a lot from Nashville. That's like through Alabama. Atlanta wasn't so sure how to get there, but we took off. And in my mind, I'm like, how hard could this be? Just head south. Well, the next day, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we were driving through the middle of some town, and finally, I'm exhausted. I'm out of gas. I think we're almost out of money. And I decided to look at my buddy and say, hey, man, I, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to pull over. I, just, I got a feeling that we're close, but I just need to ask somebody. And so I finally go in. I say, hey. Me and my buddy, man, we're excited. We're getting to the head to the beach. And he looks at me real weird. He said, well, son, you're in Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> About three and a half hours that way. <laughs> and I'm going, what? We've been driving for like 12 hours. Like, what do you mean, Dothan, Alabama? That's like a state and a half away to the right. Like, I was going south. He says, yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know how you did it either. <laughs> the moral of the story is I'm just directionally challenged. But, but the truth is, is, is y'all, we need help. We, we need guidance. We need support. Like, we, we don't have, like, is anybody in here afraid to say, like, we don't have it all together. Like, we, if, if God is willing to help us pray, that means like he's going to teach us how to talk to him, how to engage with, like that seems, it, it is important, but, but think about it in this context. If he's willing to teach us how to pray, that means he's willing to do anything with us. Like, like we need support, we need his help, we need his, his guidance in our life. If I can mess up like talking, I can mess up anything. And yet he says, hey, I'm going, the Spirit is going to help you in your weakness. When you think you've got it all together, when you think you're, you're, you're taking care of business, you are, you're misguided. We need to ask for help and acknowledge this gospel truth that we don't know it all. But when we accept the King Jesus and his worthy sacrifice, we're free from condemnation. We're invited into sonship and we are given guidance and, 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 and vision for life. And then finally, in Romans chapter eight, it says this, in verse 31 through 39, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for, all, uh, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, or sword, 
as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Beloved, the final gift is that you and I, when we accept this this gift of the gospel, when we receive this, this worthy sacrifice, we are promised victory forevermore. And when we acknowledge that, when we recognize it, when we admit we can't do it on our own, when we acknowledge our desperate need for him, he doesn't let you live as a slave, he makes you a child. And he gives you what you need and he stamps victory on your life forever. I was talking to a beloved friend this morning that has been through the ringer. And she said, I said, somebody walked up and said, how you been? She said, I'm moving through it. Because as a believer and a blood-bought saint, she knows her destiny is victory even if the circumstances feel like death right now. This is not the end of your story. This is, and you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So you may feel down, you may feel sad, you may feel defeated or even broken, but you can't escape your destiny in Christ that nothing can separate you from him, and that means you're more than a conqueror forever. And so we've got to then decide, beloved. I said earlier, and y'all, this is a, this church is, everybody, every pastor probably says that, our church is special. Three people thought that was cool. <laughs> My laughing group over there. But this church is unique. I'm, I recognize that, that many, many, many people in our church already know the Lord Jesus. That, that, that you guys are participating, giving, moving, working. I, I get that. But it would be a travesty to have a day like this go by and at least not make the ask. Make the offer to say, hey, if you don't know him, you can. There's no work you have to do. There's no effort you have to place. There's no, no secret prayer sauce that you have to pray it is simply recognizing who he is and what he's done. And these promises that have been bestowed in Romans are yours forever. And I'm reminded of this moment where Jesus arrived at the funeral of his dearest friend. Where he shows up and Lazarus has been buried for days. He's grieved. It says he weeps. He's challenged by the sisters. They're, they're questioning his motives. What, what, where have you been? What have you been doing? Why, why weren't you here? You didn't, you didn't fix it. You could have fixed it. And our brother would have survived. And yet in John eleven twenty five 25, and 26, we see this moment where Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me 
Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then this moment, this question that will be in the life of every person that has ever lived gets asked. Do you believe this? You see, beloved, it's not about saying, do, do you believe that going to church is nice? Do you believe the music is good? Do you think the pastor's jacket is cool? It's do you believe this? That he is everything he said he was. And that because of who he is and now what he has done, you can have life to the fullest. You can have life abundantly. You can have freedom from the condemnation of eternal fire. You can be invited into sonship as a child and an heir. You can have guidance in life and you can be victorious and live as a conqueror forever. You see, beloved, if you believe this, that's a question we must ask. What happens when she responds with a yes? John 11, 43 says this. Now he, Jesus, has said these things and cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. You see, when we believe when we receive, when we repent, when we acknowledge this great and beautiful gospel that Jesus and Resurrection Sunday record for us, dead men come back to life. And some of you might be in this room today. This might be a room full of all believers, but there might be somebody in this room today going, hey, I feel like I am, I've lived kind of, I'm living in some death, some shame, some fear, some guilt, some, some I don't know if, if that's mine. I don't know if those promises are for me. It seems like it's for everybody else, but it's not for me. And I'm here to tell you today, it's for you. And, and even if it was only you, you'd be worth it. Because Jesus didn't hang on the cross for some generic, you know, generalized salvation. He did it for me, and he did it for you. And he, he's, he's willing and available and interested in all it takes on our behalf is to say yes. And then he does the work. So, beloved, if there's any doubt where you stand with Jesus. If you're not sure that the promises of Romans 8 are secure for you, then you need to hear the cry of Jesus yelling for you to come out of the grave today. You are cherished and a wonderful masterpiece of God's creation, and today the church is ready to welcome you home. And so Kelly's gonna play, and we're gonna bow our heads for some dramatics, but this is life and death. This is everything. I can tell you this, you might go, well, I'm in a room full of people, I'm too embarrassed, there's no way. I'm gonna ask Pastor Jeff, it's, it's 
weird for me. I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to come stand up here at the altar. I'll stand up here. If you hear these words today, I'm asking everybody, close your eyes and bow your head. We'll do this privately first. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that that God is speaking to you and you want to respond to that, if you hear this and you say, hey, I want that to be mine. I'm not good enough. I haven't earned it. I can't can't figure out how in the world he would, but, but if he's willing, I'm willing. If that's you today, I want to invite you. Raise your hand and hold it up high. I see you. I see you. For those of you with your hand up, I want to say this. I told you it was going to take courage. It's not that God is withholding if you don't do this. It's that it's going to do something in your life and in the life of this church. That the brothers and sisters around you want to celebrate a decision that you have now made to follow Jesus. And I want to encourage you not to, not to withhold it, but with courage. I'm asking you to get up out of your chair right now. and Come down here and grab Pastor Jeff's hand. And let's settle this once and for all. Would you be willing this morning to come and receive the Lord Jesus? I'm not just asking you, I'm exhorting you. It's not just between us. This is about you following after Jesus. So if you raised your hand this morning, push past every fear, push past every anxiety, stand up right now, move your way through the crowd and come down here and let's receive the Lord Jesus for your salvation. As he plays, I'm going to invite you, come right now. Now. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's give it one more minute. Back in the bleachers, I see you. Come on. Because this is our homecoming. There's one more person out here. Let me pray for us this morning, and then I'm going to go down here with these guys. Let me be really clear. 
If the Lord was stirring in you today, don't suppress it. Don't ignore it. Don't imagine it was just something. God is moving. These two beloved brothers and sisters have said yes to something and are, and are guaranteed the promise that we spoke about today. So I'm going to pray and we'll wrap this up in celebration today. Knowing that the great King Jesus has made a way for us to come home. So Father, we love you. And we thank you. And we honor you today. We thank you for these that, that are willing to celebrate with the church to, to say yes to you. And God, we pray that you would bless them and keep them to make your face to shine upon them, to lift up your countenance to them and bring peace in their life. Then God, would you give us all a, an unction, a fire, a desire inside of us to go out into this world, to live with the gospel on display so that all might see the beauty of our King. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you this week. I can't wait to gather again next Sunday. God bless you mightily.